It's Monday, August the 17th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Belarusians rally in Minsk and Democrats rally round the post office. First, the world in brief. Belarus's president, Alexander Lukashenko, told thousands of supporters in the capital Minsk that the country's election would not be rerun and called their opponents rats. His crowd was dwarfed by a march held in the centre of the city to protest against the rigged election and subsequent government violence. Russia offered to provide Mr Lukashenko with military assistance. Thousands of protesters gathered in Bangkok to call for reforms to Thailand's constitution and monarchy, the latest in a number of student-led protests in recent weeks. Protesters also called on Thailand's Prime Minister Prayuth Chanucha to step down. Mr Prayuth, a former general, took power in a coup in 2014 and prevailed in a bogus election last year. Senior Democrats summoned the Postmaster General Louise Dujoy to testify at an emergency hearing of the House Oversight Committee on August 24th. They allege Mr Dujoy is deliberately making the United States Postal Service less efficient to scupper postal voters. Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, will call the House back from recess this week to vote on legislation barring further USPS meddling until next year. Jacinda Ardern, New Zealand's Prime Minister, postponed the country's general election, scheduled for September 19th by four weeks. Auckland, New Zealand's biggest city, is back in lockdown following a mini-resurgence of COVID-19 infections. After three months without a new case, 78 have recently been recorded in the country. Ms Ardern says she does not intend to allow a further postponement. Students in England faced uncertainty after the exam regulator Ofqual published and then suspended guidance for appealing against results released last week for A-levels, school leaving exams. Exams were cancelled because of COVID-19, so students were graded on a formula including teacher assessments and school's past performance. Those from poorer backgrounds were especially affected, as 40% of teacher-assessed grades were downgraded. Japan's economy shrank by 7.8% in the April-June quarter, its worst recorded rate equivalent to an annualised 27.8%. It was also a third consecutive quarterly contraction, bringing the world's third largest economy back down below its size of 2011, before Prime Minister Abe Shinzo's Abenomics reforms began. The recovery began by late May, albeit slowly. Apex National Investment, an Emirati investment company, and Terra Group, an Israeli research firm, agreed to conduct joint COVID-19 research. The deal follows an agreement announced on Thursday to normalise relations between Israel and the UAE. Phone lines have also opened and the two countries' foreign ministers held their first publicly acknowledged call. And editor's note. Our US election hub contains all of our latest analysis on the presidential and congressional races, and links to our American politics podcast and newsletter. Bookmarkeconomist.com forward slash US 2020 to stay informed. And now here's today's agenda. Beginning of the end. The Democrats' convention. With the start of the four-day-long Democratic National Convention today, the American presidential campaign enters the home stretch. Aside from Joe Biden, who will accept the nomination on Thursday, and his running mate Kamala Harris, speakers include both Clintons, both Obamas, a few failed presidential hopefuls including Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker, and some rising stars, including Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and Atlanta's mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms. Initially planned for Milwaukee, the biggest city in Wisconsin, perhaps this year's most crucial swing state, the convention has gone fully virtual. Expect an emphasis on diversity, 
competent governance and restoration and on how harmful, divisive and inept Mr Trump's leadership has been. Mr Biden and Ms Harris will also make a positive case for their candidacy rather than just a negative one against the incumbent. Democrats have cause for guarded optimism. Polls show Mr Biden leading Donald Trump nationally and in several battleground states, though some recent tightening warns against complacency. Light Exercise RIMPAC Begins Normally, the American-led Rim of the Pacific Exercise, or RIMPAC, is a chance for friendly navies to cement alliances over drills and cocktails. This year's, which starts today, will be a more abstemious and less well-attended affair, with only about 10 countries and 20 ships expected. Drills may be pared down, but the stakes are high. As Sino-American relations have frayed, military tension in the Western Pacific has escalated. In recent months, China has tangled with the Philippines, Vietnam and Malaysia in the South China Sea. America conducted joint exercises with Japan and Australia. China responded with live-fire drills. Increasing American arms sales to Taiwan, which China claims is its own territory, has caused friction, as have Chinese incursions into the waters around the Japanese-controlled Senkaku or Daiyu Islands. As China becomes increasingly assertive and America's military edge in the Pacific erodes, even a scaled-down RIMPAC is a chance to cultivate old and new partners alike. Going South A region in trouble Meetings of the Southern African Development Community, SADC, are rarely highlights of the diplomatic calendar. These confabs of Southern African countries, many still led by the parties that took over after white rule, are usually chances to salute fellow comrades and issue bromides about solidarity. But today's meeting matters more than most. The region is in deep trouble. Zambia is in the throes of a debt crisis. Angola and Botswana are suffering from low prices for oil and diamonds respectively, while Zimbabwe is in economic freefall amid rumours of plots and coups. A poorly understood Islamist insurgency in the north of Mozambique is worrying the rest of the region, especially Tanzania and South Africa. Even the regional powerhouse South Africa is suffering. It has the world's fifth highest number of confirmed cases of COVID-19 and was in recession before the pandemic. The SADC meeting may be a talking shop, but there is much to talk about. All at sea. Britain's migrant crisis. Pretty Patel is so lacking in nuance she would spell it with a capital N. This week, Britain's pugnacious Home Secretary will continue her crackdown on migrants crossing the English Channel. Dan O'Mahony, a former Marine who is her newly appointed clandestine Channel Threat Commander, is due in Paris for talks. He will face awkward questions about reports that Miss Patel told fellow Tory MPs that migrants see France as a racist country. The 4,000 or so migrants who have crossed the channel on dinghies so far this year represent but a small proportion of the 30,000 or more claiming asylum in Britain each year, figures dwarfed by the 124,000 applicants in France. Never mind, the tabloids have declared the issue a crisis. If Miss Patel is really determined to fix it, she could start by being a bit nicer to the French government. Without its cooperation, she will achieve nothing. False summit. Nepal's borders open. After months of relative quiet on its oft overcrowded peak, Mount Everest is open to foreign climbers again. Today, Nepal opens its borders, allowing would be adventurers to scale its most famous attraction for the first time since March 13th. At first, a strict lockdown helped Nepal's 28 million people avoid COVID 19's worst effects, with barely 1,500 cases reported through the end of May. 
but since then it has seen a further 25,000 cases and daily counts are still climbing. Its economy has suffered. Nepal's central bank estimates that businesses have laid off nearly a quarter of their workers. Remittance, which are worth a quarter of GDP, have plummeted. In June, young Nepalese took to the streets of Kathmandu to protest against the government's perceived incompetence in handling the pandemic. The country hopes that boosting tourism, a crucial industry, will stimulate the economy. But the virus is far from finished with Nepal. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Pearl Bailey, who died on this day in 1990. What the world really needs is more love and less paperwork. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 